Captain of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. In the melodramatic climax of the Frank Capra movie, the idealistic young Senator Smith, played by Jimmy Stewart, appears to have won an ill-defined victory over corrupt special interests. Real life is more complicated. Coburn left Washington, intrepid and vindicated, but unable to really change the status quo on Capitol Hill. Coburn came to Congress as part of the big and boisterous Republican class of 1994 that won the party control of the House of Representatives for the first time in 40 years. These new legislators were ready to march behind fiery Speaker Newt Gingrich to effect a revolution in government. They were now in Washington but did not want to be part of Washington. Few of the rookie House members showed any inclination to settle in by moving their families to the Capitol. Most had campaigned on what was then the very popular issue of term limits. Several winning Republicans, Coburn among them, had promised to serve only three terms. Some pledged four terms. Supposedly, the trend toward domination of the professional politician had ended and the road back to citizen legislators had begun. Supposedly, but not really. Even before the 104th Congress convened in January 1995, House Majority Leader-designate Dick Army mused that term limits might no longer be necessary now that Republicans had miraculously won the congressional majority. The House roll call votes in 1995 subsequently were rigged so that every Republican had a chance to vote for one version of term limits, while no version actually received enough votes to pass. Hypocrisy was the watchword. As for House members who were self-term limited, some blatantly ignored their campaign promises. Most notorious was George Nethicutt, who in the state of Washington had defeated Democratic House Speaker Thomas Foley, the first incumbent speaker to be defeated for re-election to the House since before the Civil War, by attacking Foley's lawsuit against the voters in his state for approving term limits in a referendum. Some House members who kept their term-limiting promises quickly moved on to a new political venue. Mark Sanford was elected governor of South Carolina. Lindsey Graham was elected to the U.S. Senate from South Carolina. Matt Salmon was defeated for governor of Arizona. Tom Coburn was among the few who returned to his pre-congressional profession. He was a genuine citizen legislator. I suppose the most extreme form of citizen legislator I have encountered was a retired farmer from Norfolk, Nebraska named William Purdy, who served in the 1957 session of the Nebraska Unicameral Legislature, which I covered for the Associated Press in my first taste of legislative reporting. In his campaign, Purdy had promised to make no speeches on the floor of the legislature, to introduce no bills, to vote against any new expenditure or extension of government, and to serve only one two-year term. He fulfilled each pledge to the letter. I then thought of Purdy as an eccentric, but over the years I have come to regard him as a wise man. To be sure, by virtue of his non-participation, Bill Purdy was a cipher in the Nebraska legislature. Tom Coburn was far from a cipher in Congress. From his first day in the House, he violated legendary Speaker Sam Rayburn's advice to new members to spend their first few years with their mouths clamped shut before daring to say anything or attempt anything on their own. Coburn had only six years, and he meant to make use of them. The 104th Congress contained many freshman Republicans who were outside the political stereotype, but none more unusual than Coburn. After working in his family's optical business, he became a doctor at age 35 and, disgusted with Congress, he said, 
was elected to the House at 46 in his first attempt at public office from a district that had not been represented by a Republican since 1922 and was thought to be unwinnable. Coburn made his presence felt immediately. It became clear to him that Speaker Gingrich, House Majority Leader Army, and the rest of the Republican leadership were not what they pretended to be. They were revolutionaries in name only, content to take possession from the Democrats of the machinery government and then run it virtually unchanged. That froze in place the system of pork-barrel spending that young Woodrow Wilson described in Congressional Government more than 130 years ago. So, the obstetrician from Muskogee, new to government, on his own began analyzing the contents of appropriations bills and exposing the heavy infusions of pork. That created the curious situation where this freshman congressman knew more about what was contained in these spending measures than the appropriators.